And now, it's time for Lawyers for Jesus Radio, lighting our path through law. A show about faith in the law and in the marketplace. Featuring the partners from the law firm Mauk and Baker. Located in downtown Chicago, Mauk and Baker is nationally known for defending freedom and serving the people of faith. And now, Lawyers for Jesus. Good afternoon. Welcome to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm John Mauk, and today we're going to talk with Joe Scheidler, pro-life activist and author of the book Racketeer for Life. He's the national director, founder of the Pro-Life Action League, and if he won't mind my saying so, a modern-day prophet. The book of Ephesians says God has given us prophets for the building up of the body of Messiah, and Joe certainly qualifies as one because he's had a lifetime battle to get the pro-life message heard throughout our nation and really throughout the world. I'm a partner at Malcolm Baker in Chicago. We're Christian attorneys that focus on serving the body of Messiah with its legal needs. We do everything from zoning to estate planning, nonprofit administration to religious freedom litigation. You can learn more about us by going to the MalkBaker.com website, that's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com, or call 312-726-1243. You can also follow us on Twitter. Joining Joe is John Jansen, who's Special Project Director for the Pro-Life Action League. Welcome, Joe and John. God bless you. John, thanks. Thanks for calling me Messiah. I've been called other things than Messiah. <laughs> well, I wasn't calling you Messiah. I was calling you prophet. <laughs> but, uh, but the prophet is a man who speaks yeah. forth God's word, and I believe we have prophets in every generation. And, and you got a calling, uh, and people are wondering, do I have a calling? Do I have a purpose in my life? I may believe in Jesus, but how did you find your calling to speak out for the unborn? Well, you know, I was always interested in children. I, I remember the old Lindbergh kidnapping, and the baby was found dead, buried on the lot, or, you know, his own property. And uh, that, that was very much in the news when I was a little boy. And so I got worried about my brothers and sisters. I had a little, little sister then and a little brother, and I thought they might be kidnapped. So I, was, I sort of protected them. I didn't know they only kidnapped rich kids. <laughs> but anyway, that I think had a part of that. I have always been especially um, made, made dis- disturbed by the loss of children's lives. Like in an airplane cry, I always see, see how many children there were. So that, that may just be something that comes naturally. But when I read the decision, Roe v. Wade, Doe v. Bolton, when I saw the pictures that Jack Wilkie had put out of babies dead in a black bag, and one of those babies looked like my son Eric's baby picture, it became very personal to me. And so I, I went to a talk by Henry Hyde, Congressman Henry Hyde. He yes. was in the General Assembly at that time. One of our great, great leaders from great the leader. state of Illinois. And the Hyde Amendment and so on. He's done so did so much for the babies. But um, Henry's talk just mesmerized me. And so I, I was working as an account executive for a PR firm at the time, and I just lost interest in selling Marlite paneling and Shakespeare fishing tackle and so on. And I started reading up on abortion. And when the decision came out, I realized this was a death sentence for millions of American children just because they hadn't yet been born. They were still people. 
and the government had taken them out of protection. And so uh, I thought this will destroy a nation, and we've got to fight it. Well, abortion has been destroying, and it's destroyed millions yep. of Americans. Uh, over 60 million, we know 60 of. 60 million. Right. Wow, that breaks our heart when we think about it. But you had a soft heart towards children, and you saw things, and it sounds to me like you didn't avert your your gaze at what was happening, but but looked at that. Because no, a I lot had... of times, pro-life people will avert their gaze and say, well, that's just something that's going to happen, and, and they don't engage. They don't look through to the consequences. Well, even even some of my best friends and some family uh, thought I'd gone off the deep end, you know, because I couldn't let it go. I would go out to lunch with somebody and talk about Roe v. Wade, Doe v. Bolton. People didn't know Doe v. Bolton allows abortion up to the day of birth. Uh, even the press would only uh, talk about Roe v. Wade, which makes it seem like it's an early term of pregnancy. But Doe v. Bolton is very clear that for any health reason at all, a woman can have an abortion right till, up till the day the baby's born. That's the law of the land, and that's a terrible law. And as you confronted this and you you looked squarely <laughs> at it, you were attacked. You were attacked by your opponents. Even even your friends rejected you. How did you find the strength to stay the course, to have really a lifetime of pro-life activism that you uh, document in your in your memoir, Racketeer for Life? That's the story of lifetime. You're you're what not about ninety now? I just hit ninety. Yeah. Oh, hallelujah! It's praise good God. to finally get there. Yeah, keep your foot on the accelerator, <laughs> Joe. Yeah, I hated the eighties. <laughs> then, then, then you'll <laughs> but ninety's then, fine. Then you'll then you'll hit a hundred. Uh, right. You know, stay with us and keep talking. But uh, how, how did you find the strength to go on? There must have been times of discouragement and confusion. John, there really wasn't. Uh, this was something I had to do. This was a conviction. Those babies had to be saved every day. You had to do something. You'd go out to the abortion clinics and talk to the women. I would meet with the abortion doctors. We converted dozens of doctors, and we had conferences with uh, of, uh, the doctors themselves who had converted from abortion. And uh, Dr. Nathanson, I had a long talk with him, Bernard Nathanson from New York, who had the largest clinic in the world for a while. He was responsible for over 70,000 abortions. I had a long talk with him one day, Tony Levitino, uh, and uh, so well, on. With Nathanson, you go into detail about, oh, yeah. about your discussions with him in your, in your memoir. Right. And the process that he went through, even after he stopped doing abortions, he really hadn't come to terms with the horror of what he'd been doing. No, it was strange because he knew it was wrong. He knew it was killing human beings. But from time to time during his conversion, he would still do a few abortions, the early term. Couldn't do the late term anymore. But uh, gradually he came completely over. And in fact, he invited me to his baptism in New York. And uh, jo Joanne, Joan Andrews Bell was his uh, godmother for his baptism. And uh, he, he one time saw me on the street in New York. We were filming, and I brought him in. I don't know how on a side street in New York you run into Dr. Bernard Nathan. So <laughs> I just went out for a breath of air. But anyway, he said, anytime you need me, I will come at no expense and give a talk, present my position, talk about my book, whatever. 
Yeah, and this is this isn't the question of what would some would say triumphalism. We've got more than you, or we're a bigger church, or or whatever. This is about saving children's lives and the work of God in your heart to give you that determination, and Bernard Nathanson's heart to gradually help him to see, open his eyes to the light. Yeah, and that was true of many of these guys. Uh, I would go uh, stay with them overnight and uh, talk. And John, you know the uh, videos that we've done. You can still you can look at meet the abortion providers, the abortion, the inside story. These are with people who either did the abortions or ran the clinics or converted. And uh, we've got a lot of converts that are out there doing yeoman's work. Yeah, this is Lawyers for Jesus Radio, and we're talking with Joe Scheidler, and I'm going to ask John Jansen, the Special Projects Director for the Pro-Life Action League. Uh, Joe has said you can get some of these videos. Uh, The video Silent Scream was very influential because it showed an unborn child in pain as he's being aborted and he's, he's, he's reaching out for life. Uh, would you describe that and tell listeners, is, is there a way to uh, access that video? Yes. Uh, it's interesting you mention that because I still remember very vividly the first time I watched The Silent Scream when I was in college. Um, I actually knew Joe's daughter, Annie. We were both students at Loyola University. Uh, we were both active in the pro-life club there. And one day at one of our meetings that we watched The Silent Scream. And as you mentioned, it, it's it's a video with Dr. Bernard Nathanson uh, narrating what happens and showing an abortion on ultrasound and as he's the the term silent scream comes from the fact that you can see very clearly on the ultrasound uh this baby i think it's i can't remember what it's maybe eight or nine weeks along uh opens his mouth when the uh, when the forceps go in to you know to to perform the abortion and it's it's horrifying because the baby opens his mouth as if to scream but of course it's a silent scream because we can't hear that baby um and it's millions of people have seen that video and have really been cut to the heart and convicted by it uh the entire video is on youtube i think it's probably in probably a number of people have posted on youtube so just google silent scream sure if you just google silent scream or go to youtube and type in silent scream you'll find it and that and other abortion there's another video that, that Dr. Nathanson put out as well, I think after that, called Eclipse of Reason. Uh, I think that's of a later term abortion, if I'm not mistaken. That's on YouTube as well. And so that's, you know, that, that, that's, that's evidence that abortion is, is horrifying. Well, the information is out there. And the question is, do people want to access it or do they want to avert their gaze? Because this is just uh, too horrific and we don't want to want to deal with it. But do we avert our gaze when we look at Jesus on the cross? That's a good point. I've used that a lot, you know, to people because they'll say this is this is unconscionable that you're showing us this violence. I said, you know, that in every Catholic church, it's required that you have a crucifix by the altar above the altar next to, it. Uh, and that's a terrible scene of a man dying with with iron through his hands and feet and scourged and thorns on his head. It's a terrible way to treat a person, but so is abortion, and you've got to look at it to believe it. This is Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm John Mauk with the law firm of Mauk & Baker. We're speaking with Joe Scheidler and John Jansen, uh, leaders of the Pro-Life Action League, and talking about Joe's book, Racketeer for Life. Coming up, we'll talk further about the book and how you can... Be involved with your calling. 
Welcome back to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm John Mauk, partner of the law firm of Mauk and Baker in Chicago, and we're talking with Joe Scheidler about his book, Racketeer for Life, together with John Jansen, Special Projects Director for the Pro-Life Action League. The book, Racketeer for Life, is a memoir about how you've fought all your life, or most of your life, to protect children in the, in the womb. And Roe versus Wade, of course, was a watershed. Right after that decision came down, there was a meeting in the Archdiocese of Chicago, 1972, you said, and there was a huge crowd gathered. Is that right? Well, 72, I got interested in there was a crowd, and, and that's when I got, got the uh, pictures of the baby. But it wasn't. And, it wasn't a huge crowd. I was facetious. How many people? Oh no! The, the crowd. The crowd in November of of seventy two was a big crowd. It was a big crowd. But the, the the banquet that was held by the Archdiocese of Chicago, hardly anybody came. It was in a hotel dining room, and I'd say it was less than half full. And then, when Father Marx was finished, uh, everybody left. And you know, usually people stay and talk to the speaker. But only about six of us stayed and, and the, talked the, the to Father Marx. The topic was? It was all about abortion because he had written a book. He had actually gone to the abortion National Abortion Federation conventions. He was accepted as an abortionist. At the, he was just known as Dr. Marx. And so he was able to uh, write all about abortion before Roe v. Wade. But then when he was on his speaking tour... He was not getting the big crowds. The archdioceses all over the country were certainly organized to fight Roe v. Wade. The bishops did have a strong committee set up, and they had guidelines and everything. But when Marx came to speak, his message was so terrible to so many people, they didn't think they could do anything about it, and they left. And so, the when, when you say the message was terrible, you mean what he was speaking about? was so horrific. Right. He told the truth. He described abortion. He described what it was like, what the, these babies were, and how perfect they were. And yet just not, just not being wanted was sufficient for their death. And, and you, you, you saw some babies who'd been miscarried? Well, well, the six of us that stayed said, why us? Why are we still here? And he said, because you have a calling. The Lord wants you here. He, you, you have a calling to fight against this evil. And then he said, have you ever seen a baby before it's born? And boy, it's hard, you know, not many people have. But he went upstairs and came down with two bottles, two jars, with perfect, I think one was like eight or ten weeks and one was 13 or 15, something like that. But they were perfect, fingernails, little faces, the toes, just beautiful human beings. And these were now sentenced to death for any reason or virtually no reason. And and the Supreme Court was saying, and, and many courts were saying, we don't know when life has begun. Well, yet, when you looked at this evidence, it became pretty obvious that these were living human beings in, in the womb. Well, scientifically, we all know when life begins. They can transport a, a whole herd of cattle in a little box because all they need is a fertilized egg and, <laughs> and to be alive. So a fertilized egg, you and I were little tiny, like a dot at the end of a sentence, and we were ourselves. We just had to develop. And, and, and we know that intellectually, and I think you, you say most people do know that. Oh, yeah. No, there's no question. But, but it's a communicator, and you started out in, 
in PR, so you, you brought to your calling some, some expertise in being a communicator, you realized the power of the visual. Right. Now, now talk a little about how ultrasound is changing things. Uh, in people's minds and hearts. Well, nearly everybody now has an ultrasound. Anybody, young person, has an ultrasound picture of himself on the uh, refrigerator, you know. Uh, they can take these pictures in the womb, and there's the little baby kicking. And, and at very early stages, they can watch the development through ultrasound. There's no, no big mystery about how we develop. In fact, you, you really just have to blot out the truth if you want to uh, say that abortion doesn't kill a human being. We know that, and so uh, I, I would. Uh, I always took the pictures with me. I had a set of pictures from Jack Wilkie. They started out with the the development of the baby, it went all the way through, and then what the baby looks like when it's aborted at those periods. And they're, they're terrible pictures because the baby's dismembered or salted or uh, cut to pieces, uh, and it, it's a terrible way to treat a fellow human being. Especially an innocent person's never done anything. And I would, people would say, uh, Joe, we'd like you to come to talk to our group, but don't bring the pictures. I said, well, that'll be simple because I won't be there either. Wow. It's, it's just pictures and me or no pictures, no me. And so they would, almost always they would let me bring the pictures. Well, well, God bless you for that, Joe. And, and when I referred to you as a prophet, that's what I, what I meant. There is, there's no compromise on truth. When people don't want to see the truth, they don't want to have a prophet around, and they have to make that choice. And they, people probably right now are thinking, oh, I'm going to switch uh, to another channel. But if you stick around, you'll, talk, you'll hear about the truth, where it leads, and what you can do about it. What's your calling? What's your involvement? How can people be involved in the pro-life movement well, they can. There are pro-life uh, organizations everywhere. I mean, we have a, a chain of, for instance, the Pro-Life Action League is in touch with hundreds. John knows more about this. Hundreds of groups all over the country, and we act in unison. We had memorials for the unborn. Uh, over 200, I believe, around the country just a week ago, where we went where babies are buried, where we buried uh, 2,033 uh, w- with the um, service by the cardinal and all, and we have their tombstones. We go there and remember babies, human beings, you know, and uh, we have that across the country. We have 40 days is, is coming up soon. That's 40 days and 40 nights outside the abortion clinics praying, stopping hundreds and hundreds of women just talking to them, even getting the abortionist to quit. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm John Malk of Malk and Baker. We're speaking with Joe Scheidler and John Jansen of the Pro-Life Action League about how you can be involved in saving lives or changing hearts or helping people realize that a child is a child, is a human being from the moment of conception. Joe, you spoke about a prayer for 40 days and 40 nights. If somebody is being moved to be an activist, how do they contact the Pro-Life Action League? Well, they can call us anytime, 773-777-2900. That's an easy number. But they can go to prolifeaction.org. We've got all sorts of films, videos. And, um, it's you know, the thing is people need to know. They need to know. Many people don't know that they have this calling. 
Well, I think if they pick up a copy of the book Racketeer for Life, your memoir that's just out, and an excellent read, it's exciting and encouraging, God will speak to them at some point as they read that and think about, well, I could fit in here or there, because a lot of times it's just the devil who says, you can't do this. You're going to be disgraced or you're going to be yelled at. And and that's not true. I mean, it's true that the devil speaks that way, but but he lies. Yes, he does. And people who don't think they can do it sometimes find they're the best. We've had women come out like for 40 days and some woman's going into the clinic and they'll simply say, honey, can I just say a few words? You know, I, I have a friend that went through this. And, and suddenly they get a conversation going and they have a convert. They have somebody who doesn't abort their baby. It, it happens so often that these people are called. They just don't feel they're worthy. Well, they have to try. Well, they can start out by finding a local pro-life uh, clinic or counseling center in their neighborhood, because they may not be in the Chicago area, but wherever they are, uh, I would suggest that they uh, Google uh, pro-life center uh, and find one nearby, find out a person there, go to the website and, and pray for that individual and donate to that local one and see how you can get involved. You don't have to start out being a Joe Scheidler. You didn't start out as a Joe Scheidler. Oh, no, I had no idea <laughs> what I was going to do, how to do it. But you learn and you, you develop. We have a hotline. We had, used to have um, hundreds and hundreds of calls from all over the country. And then other pro-life groups would record that hotline or start their own. And people would just, as a daily habit, call that number and they would get a message of what's going on. And, uh, John, you can tell them how easy it is to get into pro-life activism. Right. I mean, since Joe founded Pro-Life Action League in 1980, I was just three years old at the time, just a little tot. But uh, since that time, we've built up a big network of pro-life activist leaders all across the country. There are hundreds of pro-life activist leaders that we work with on a regular basis to have to coordinate national events throughout the year. So if anyone's listening who wants to get involved... Get in touch with us, and we can in turn get you in touch with someone in your own community. Again, our website is prolifeaction.org, and then we can get you in touch then with someone in you know, whatever city you live in. And the 40 days of prayer for the unborn starts September 27th, which may be, uh, has already started depending on when this show airs. But go to prolifeaction.org, and you'll be directed to uh, ways that you can participate. We appreciate, Joe, your coming in today, and John, for your sharing. Uh, our listeners can get a copy of your book by going to... Amazon's one place, or you can call our office, and I gave the number earlier. Thank you. And I'll sign it. Oh, you'll sign it. <laughs> Racketeer for life. If you have a legal need or a question and want the perspective of a local Christian attorney, contact us at Malkin Baker. You can reach us at 312-726-1243. I'm going to repeat that, 312-726-1243, or at MalkBaker.com, M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com, a Christian law firm in Chicago. God bless you all. Have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're gonna have to serve somebody.